It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring very special guest star, Mr. Bobby Osinski. Yeah, baby. Woo! Thank you, fake fan. Thank you, fake audience. Welcome, real guests. How are you, Bobby? Uh, thanks, Michael. Good to see you. So... Bobby and I have known each other now for about a year, I think, uh, maybe a little over a year, mm -hmm. and I, I've known about him for a long time. He's a very accomplished engineer, mixer, and, and still active in all that stuff, but has written 23, 24? 20, 24 books. 24? Actually, actually, 27, but 24 in the music business. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's a best-selling author, and uh, many of his books are, are, are standards in the industry, so he is iconic and um, admired and people really respect his opinions and he's um, very smart on a wide range of topics. So the topic that we're gonna do today is sorting out royalties from streaming, if there is such a thing. Um, I, I frankly am still confused by it all and, and Bobby is less confused, I guess, for a better way to say it. Um, do you want to jump right into the questions? you want well, to give an overview of yeah, it? Yeah, well, first of all, the reason why I get into this is I was writing a book, I don't know, about four years ago, Music 4.0. Started out as Music 3.0 and... <laughs> Things you know, change while you're Multiple variations, but... Okay. Anyway, um, I wanted to find out where the last hundredth of a cent went when uh, you got streaming royalty. It was really difficult to find the information, but I, I got to the bottom of it. Really? Yeah. And then a few years later, here we are, and I begin to read articles, and none of it makes sense. Those are the same articles I must have read. <laughs> and no matter what, and, and coming from really normally knowledgeable and well thought of publications. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what has changed? So I went down the rabbit hole one more time to see if I could figure this out. How do you find the time? Because that had to be a really deep rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, it took several days. Oh, more than that. It took the better part of a week. Now, not eight hours every day, but yeah. know, I was working on it every day a lot. And I did figure this out to some degree. Now, it's deep enough and has a, enough tentacles that go in different directions that no one can figure out everything. And I think you have to be an expert in one particular silo on this to really understand it. But I'll try to give you an overview of, of what happens. And hopefully by the end, everybody will have a better idea of what happens with streaming and why it's not as bad as everybody thinks. Oh, good, because that, yeah. that's the overarching question is, are, are musicians getting screwed once again? Because they often do. Well. Here's the thing that everybody kind of misunderstands. Back in our day. <laughs> we used to ride to work on yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, right. <laughs> a, a million of anything was a lot. Right. A million still is a lot, but in the digital realm, it's just getting in the ballgame. Yeah. We have to think on a different scale. So now when a musician gets a million views, a million streams, they think they've crossed the threshold into something, and it's not necessarily the case. A minor hit is 50 million. 50 million streams, 50 million views on YouTube. 
But you know, it makes sense because it's instantly available on a global basis versus distribution, shipping, returns, yes. all that stuff. Okay. When we hit a hundred and hundreds of million, then we have a legitimate hit, what we think of a hit. A worldwide hit is now into the billions. And there's more and more of these That's happening all the time. So you have to think that our scale has changed a lot in this. When you begin to open up your mind to this, that a million isn't what it used to be, then it's easier to grasp this, I think. Because we're talking about very, very tiny pieces of ascent. But it becomes something substantial. After 50 million. I'll give you an example. So Ed Sheeran's catalog has been streamed 10 billion times on Spotify alone, just one. His, his entire catalog? Yes. Or you mean things from his catalog? His catalog, 10 billion. Okay. He's made $50 million, or it's generated $50 million worth of revenue to the record label. Okay. Now, depending on what his deal is, he's gotten half of that or a little more. The estimates are somewhere around $13 million. He got from Spotify alone. Now, with a B or an M? A with an M. Okay, Th million. 13 million. Okay, from Spotify alone. Yeah, so he's made a bunch of dough, but it's only because he has billions of streams. We're st seeing that where it doesn't matter what platform you're on, if you hit a certain level, you're going to make money. But that's a. a scarily unachievable level for 99.9% .9 It musicians. certainly is. But don't forget, we're in the 1% or the 0.1% era. Yeah. Where no matter where you're at, you're not really making big bank until you hit that level, unfortunately. We're, we've lost the middle class in, in music, and pretty much. And I hope it comes back. But so far, it's everybody down here that's making a little bit of money, and it's Taylor Swift's up here, and and I got to say, licensing your music for film and TV just got infinitely more desirable oh. to me in the first five minutes of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. But okay, so let's get down into this a little bit. Okay. Here's what people don't understand, and we'll. There's two uh, royalties that are coming in. There's on recording. There's publishing. And publishing actually has two, but we'll, we'll just talk about, you have two royalties coming in. Now, a lot of times what you're, you're reading in an article that's posted, you see, uh, oh, it's only uh, three one-hundredths of a cent average stream. Yes, but what does that mean exactly? Does that mean it's coming from your publishing? Does that mean it's coming from your, the recording? It's not specified, right? But it makes a big difference, right? How how is the pie divvied up at the end of that number? Right? Makes a big difference. So uh, let's just look at this for a second. Every streaming network, not every, most of them have two tiers. There's a free tier, and there's a paid tier. The paid tier pays a whole lot more than a free tier. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, if you're on Spotify, it you know, it keeps on changing, going up and down, but it was somewhere around seven hundredths of a cent. For which tier? For the the uh, uh, premium tier. 
Okay. The and, paid tier. And I'm guessing that probably only like 10% of their customers are on the paid tier or 20%? Well, no, there's a lot more. There's really? about half, yes. Wow. Um, there's 220 million Spotify subscribers, of which more than 100 are paid. Okay. But let's get here's where all the variables start to come in. You may be paying, how much are you paying? Are you paying on a student rate? Are you paying the full boat? Are you on a family rate? Right. What country are you in? Because we pay nine ninety nine here in a lot of, of the world, but some of the world only pays three ninety nine, two ninety nine. Less developed countries. That Less are developed. Generally... Com- yeah. So if you have X number of views, fifty million, fifty million streams that are coming from a country that's only paying three ninety nine. That's a whole lot less money that you're making. Well, then I'm moving to Uganda because clearly Spotify and real estate are way cheaper. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> right, right, right. Uganda. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so now you can see where these are just some of the variables that are happening. It's what are people paying? Where are my streams coming from? Are they coming from the paid tier or the free tier? And what country are they coming from? That all makes a big difference. Okay. With you so far. We can go even further with that. Bundles make a difference. Uh, Explain what a bundle is. Okay. So now if your Spotify comes free with a Verizon it's one of the country companies. I I think think Verizon Verizon just started offering. Yeah. Verizon, you get the free Spotify. Uh, account well that pays a whole lot less as well because that's somewhere between free and 999 that's right so now you can and depending on the country it might be different as well because they're paying a different rate okay so as you can see there's lots of variables here most of the time what you see is what they call blended rate Mm -hmm. which is an average of, of, of all this but unless it specifies it in the article, you're never sure. So what I see mostly, I see artists that are complaining and they're, they're saying, I just had 3 million streams and I only made $35. Okay, but do you really know where those streams came from? Do you know what tier? Do you know what country? Do you know if it was bundled or not? I mean, usually you can tell this stuff. So that has a lot to do with how you're making your money. If we go to publishing, it gets even more complicated because now we get two royalties that are coming. We have uh, performance and we have mechanical. Mechanical, a mechanical royalty for uh, digital is relatively new. That's only been 2014 or something. And for those, because not everybody knows about publishing as it used to be, uh, a mechanical is what is paid by the record company for the right to stamp a song, the performance of that song on a medium um, like vinyl or CD, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to performance, which is the other half of the pub- publishing, and that is paid when it's played on TV or when it's on the radio. So yeah, now things are way more complicated than that. Yeah. So, for instance, now, if you buy, if someone. If you put out a CD, this makes it really easy, actually, and has 10 songs on it, you get a mechanical royalty rate of 9.1 cents for every song. And it's been like this for quite some time. This is where songwriters got rich in the past. Mm -hmm. 
But now with digital, we didn't have that at all. And until about 2014, we only have it on on uh, uh, streaming services like Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal. Okay. We don't have it on Pandora. Because Pandora is random? Or yes, no? Pandora is like a radio. Right. You don't control the playlist you, or the order of things. You can't say, I want to play this particular song. You can say, I want this artist, but you can't say, I want this particular song. So it's considered non-interactive. That pays at a different rate than an interactive. At a lower rate, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, at a lower rate. And that Much makes lower. sense because something's interactive, you are actually desire, desirous of having music, that song by that artist right now. So it's treated as more valuable. Yep. So if we go back to before on recording, for instance, this is one thing I neglected to talk about. What we had was two different royalty rates for different royalty rate for each tier. But don't forget, there's a different royalty rate for the type of service, an interactive service like Spotify and a non-interactive one like Pandora. And Pandora is way low. That's down in the point, less than 0.002%. But musicians two, two continue to give their music to Pandora because it's better to have some income than no income. You could look at it like that, that's for sure. And I can give you an example later why all of this is better than radio, hmm. believe it or not. I'm dying to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So now we're on to publishing. Publishing is generally about a sixth of the streaming royalty rate on the recording about a sixth it gets split two ways it gets split into performance and that's just for playing it and it gets split into a mechanical okay about about the same mechanical is a little bit higher so here we go again where sometimes you'll see an artist a songwriter complaining and saying i only made 30 dollars on 10 million streams mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean a mechanical rate? Does that mean the performance rate that you're seeing? Did you split it with any songwriters? Right, because nowadays very common for pop songs to be four, five, six, seven songwriters. Yeah. That really puts a fork in it. Uh, how much did the, uh, had, how much did your publisher take? So there's all these things involved here. There's, there's actually a lot of middlemen in here. There's, there's money being made in streaming. There's lots of fingers in the pie. How, how do traditional um, PROs, performance uh, rights organizations, fit into this? Or is that part of the, should we save that sure. till later? Sure, No, they, they actually <laughs> collect, just as they collect money for uh, radio airplay. Mm -hmm. They also collect it for streaming. Streaming performance. Okay. They collect it. <laughs> Except on Pandora. Um, sound Exchange. Because it's not interactive, so Sound yeah, Exchange yeah. Sound collects. Exchange collects. How did that happen? Yes, you're right. How did that happen? <laughs> we're, yeah. we're ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC asleep at the wheel one day, and, and Sound Exchange said, ooh, there's an opportunity, and jumped in, and that was that? I had a... A music attorney tell me it was kind of a deal with the devil. It happened when um, no one understood. This is in the early days. Pandora was, I don't want to say first, but they were they were uh, 
in before most other streaming services. They were, one, they were, going, they were early and yeah, big. Early, yeah. And th the powers that be in publishing didn't take them seriously. So they abdicated <laughs> their role, so to speak. Wow. There, yeah. And then, so that money's coming in, and that's getting split three ways. 50% goes to whoever owns copyright. Record label, probably. 45% goes to the artist. Record label owns copyright of the recording. Of the recording. 45% goes to the artist. 5% will go either, either to the producer or featured players. And who decides? Doesn't every record now have featured players screw the producer? The artist decides this. Boy, so producers have to be really nice to the talent they work with. Yeah, now, but here's the way this works. It used to be that if you were a producer, and every producer out there knows this, you, you go, okay, how am I going to make any money because I'm not going to make any royalties on, on sales, right. on physical product, so how am I going to make it on digital? And you go to the artist, and the artist would say, yeah, sure, I'll give you five points, ten points, whatever it is. But then you have to... Depend on the artist to pay you. The artist collects the money. Is the artist going to pay you or not? Now that's all changed. Okay. Now SoundExchange collects it directly. All the artist has to do is sign off on it. Across all platforms or just Pandora? No, ju ju just, just Pandora. There. Okay. Yeah. What about the other platforms? Well, the other platforms, something like that is coming because the, music, uh, the uh, MMA, uh, um, Music Modernization Act, which is relatively new. This just happened in just happened. the recent past, yeah. Once it kicks in, it's going to take care of a lot of this. It's going to make a lot of these publishing things easier. It's going to make it better. Supposedly, supposedly. We, we don't know yet. There's a Could you imagine people in, in Congress and the Senate trying to understand this stuff? Because it's hard to understand if you've grown up in the music industry and at least have some basic framework as your context to understand this. But for you know, a, a, a Senate committee to understand this, their heads must have exploded. Yes, but here's what happened. It was This was actually brilliant by, by the Recording Academy. They've been trying to push this for years and years and years and haven't been able to get too much off the ground. But they, last, at least the last year, I'm not sure if it was two years, they had an initiative where they had their members in each district go and meet the representative and pitch it. There was one day where every representative met with a group of songwriters and artists, I've got and to they give, sold it directly. I've got to give credit where credit is due for this. I've gone on a lobbying trip with uh, NSAI out of Nashville to D.C., where literally they bust out into three or four or five different groups, usually with two or three songwriters and a couple of industry folks in each group, and you go to all these preset meetings with Congress people or, or senators doing just that and they and people play a song and then talk about and this is how i'm not getting paid for it yeah same mo one of the things i heard um i was i had um the chief lobbyist for the music academy recording academy on my my blog daryl uh, friedman and he was saying that sometimes meeting with your representative or senator isn't as effective as meeting with a staffer, mm -hmm. because a staffer is more well versed in particular the particular uh, thing you're trying to talk about. So uh, many times that's a better way to go. 
either way, apparently, you know, it, it works, and it did work in this case because overwhelmingly this, the MMA was passed. So, okay, so now we know the Pandora is like its own entity because of the fact that it's non-interactive. Mm -hmm. um, how, does, how does it pan out for Spotify and how does it pan out for YouTube? Ah, uh, well, YouTube is a special case. Sounds like everything is a special case. <laughs> Most streaming services pay out 70% plus of what they bring in goes back out to artists, or it goes back out to copyright holders. Okay. So that is a record label. And that's based on ad revenue? Yeah. Okay. Well, and subscriptions. With uh, Spotify, it's way different. It's 55-45. Spotify hmm. keeps 45%. Here's what people don't understand about YouTube. Did I just say Spotify or YouTube? Um, before you said Spotify, but we were talking about yeah, YouTube. YouTube then, yeah, YouTube you... takes 40, 45%. Right. Okay. Here's what people don't understand. Here we go again. I have 10 million views and I only made 37 cents. How come? Well, assuming that you manage to monetize your channel first and then the video, and there's things that you have to, hoops that you have to jump through in order to do that, that's assuming that every video view is actually paying something. Doesn't work that way. Okay, I'm dying to know what determines if a view pays or does not. Well, first of all, if a view is off the platform, it most likely will not pay. What do you mean off the off, platform? Off uh, YouTube or a YouTube app on the phone. Okay. So if you view it the embedded on something. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, really? Yeah. Now, the second thing is, what kind of advertiser do you have? Okay. Because different advertisers pay different rates. So if you have a really high-end... Uh, product for instance or you have a high-end following where they like uh, Mercedes and they like uh, Prada and stuff like that then they're paying top dollars top dollar to reach those clients therefore you're making more money than if you have target okay you know, so instance. lesson number one write songs that work really well with Mercedes yeah. Prada Gucci yeah in other words be a rapper so you you have all these things that are kind of conspiring against you. They're not paying as much. There's some views that aren't paying at all. Maybe you might not even have. Oh, here's the other thing. When I think about it, the time of year makes a big difference. Why? Christmas, for instance. Okay. We'll, we'll have more demand. more demand than in the summer. So you have all these things. If you happen to have the hit of the summer and you know you have 100 million views, it might not be making as much money than if you have 50 million views during the holidays. So there's all these things that are going on. Spot, uh, YouTube is paying way, 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 way less. That's probably not gonna change. What might change everything though, I don't know if everybody knows about the new law that just passed in in the European Union. I don't. Article 13. It's actually a, a brand new copyright law, but Article 13 is the one that makes the big difference. Article 13 
basically says, uh, YouTube, you're going to have to pay. Or else, you're going to have to take all these videos down. <laughs> so here's how it works. Right now, YouTube gets away with doing whatever they want because they're hiding under something called fair use. Mm -hmm. Fair use basically means uh, it's not my fault. YouTube saying it's not my fault that somebody put up uh, a plagiarized song. It's not my fault. So therefore, don't come after me. It's fair use. In Europe, that's no longer the case. Wow. YouTube and all other platforms like that are now responsible, which means that they have to track every single upload or take them down. So this may have a big impact and how it's going to work with the rest of the world as well is going to be important here. YouTube may no longer be the entity that it is today in two or three years. So if I were to play an Eagle song today on this show. Um, actually, it was a bad example, but um, a, a song from an act that um, you know uh, is signed up with YouTube and monetizes. Their copyright is being monetized. Mm -hmm. Their master and their copyright are being monetized. We're playing it on the show. Used to be you get a copyright strike and you, you, this will either be muted or taken off of YouTube. Now they just send you a notice saying, oh, John Doe's song was played on your show and he's signed up through a publisher to monetize this. And that's that. So how would that work under this new situation in the EU? Yeah, see, the, there's, there's three choices. It's basically you either monetize a song or you take it down, or you do nothing, one or the other. Or this is the, the owner of that copyright will basically say, oh, it's okay. Or, or you better take it down, which doesn't happen nearly as much as people saying, well, monetize it and I get most of the money. Mm -hmm. Not all of it. I mean, the, the, the person that still did the video will make a little bit, but not much. In the EU, what's going to happen is uh, that's not even going to get online. It's going to stop it in its tracks before it gets uploaded. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be a busy little algorithm. And everybody's wondering what's going to happen to legitimate publishers and, and labels that are actually trying to put up their own songs. And it even happens now where... A lot of indie artists have this problem. They put up their own songs and they get a copyright strike. And they go, well, wait, because somebody else claims the copyright. Somebody who has no right to Who has no right to claims the copyright. They're just trolling, hoping that yes. it slips through the system and yes. they make some money. Yes. Wow. Yeah, no, that happens all the time. People are very, very upset about it. YouTube, to its, its benefit, has actually tried to get around this. And, and they keep uh, get around it, meaning they're trying to rectify the situation. And you, they, whenever someone tells them, look, this is happening and it's not a good thing, they actually do their best to you know, make it right. And they're not working within the structure of any statutorial stuff, really. I mean, nope. they, they've got to try and get it as right as they can in the absence of structure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, this is not an easy topic. It's really deep on so many levels. And who the hell could, other than you could remember all this? 
I can't remember the details. I got to tell you, I, I, I'm I, impressed that you know I, as much as I you can do. remember the, the the big pieces, but the details I can't. Bria, can you warm it up a notch, please? So, what's happening is there. You, you have to think of this as scale is different. You can't think of a million as being something that's a big deal anymore because it isn't, unless you're doing physical sales. Physical sales, a million is always going to be big. I think a million will give you bragging rights. That's about it. No one in the industry really cares at a million. You hit 10 million, they're kind of interested. Uh, 50 million, like I said, is a minor hit. You get those numbers in your brain and then it begins to make more sense. Okay, I can really make some money if I have a hit. But the hit is here, it's not here mm -hmm. any longer. So that's a big thing. The next thing is, boy, there's a lot of different tiers. Where is my money coming from? Is it coming from a non-interactive service or an interactive service mostly? Is it coming from a paid tier or an unpaid tier? Is it coming from out of the country? Is and how do I even get these statements? Who are they coming through? I mean, obviously, um, Sound Exchange works with uh, Pandora. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine that if you're a musician, and you're trying to monetize this stuff. Even if you're going through, and we should talk about CD Baby and TuneCore yeah, yeah. and the others. But even if you go through them, I mean, there's so. It sounds like there's so many entities that you could potentially get paid from. And then um, back in the old days, I'm sure it still happens to some extent now. Um, you would have forensic accountants that if a major hit artist felt like the label was lying about the units they were shipping or the money being paid vis-a-vis -vis royalties, they would hire, they would initiate a lawsuit. Well, first of all, they probably had the right in their contract to initiate a forensic audit. Yeah. And if the label is resistant, they would sue them and have a third party audit, blah, 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 blah. Who the hell could audit this stuff now? Well, the one good thing about being in the digital age that is that everything is much more detailed. And, it's, right, it, it, there are no estimates, it's all a click. Yeah, so, I mean, you do see a lot of this from your statements from whatever publisher and whatever record label. That being said, some are more complete than others. You know how that goes. Sometimes yeah. it's very detailed and other times it's less so. There are some, for want of a better term, uh, modern uh, labels, copyright management organizations. Cobalt is one, for mm -hmm. instance. Cobalt is really on the ball on this. They give you great statements and they give you real-time data as well. If you're with them, you can get on, you can tell exactly when somebody's, you can see your click rate going up and down or whatever. It's it right there, yeah. Which is the way of the future, actually. Yeah. I think we'll see more and more of that. I mean, it's pretty obvious when Kobo rolled out and you had BMG rights and all, everybody's got a rights division now for yeah. this exact purpose. Yeah, BMG is the other one, but I think Cobalt's way ahead. Yeah. But they, they actually had kind of a head start because, um, oh, I can't think of the, the name of the, the creator, the, the founder. Uh, anyway, the guy that founded it came from data management, from an airline, and then from um, big banking. Okay. So we already had a background in this and it was pretty easy to port it over. So, yeah. There you go. Can't make a mistake with an airline or a bank account. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's why, you know, we're gonna see more of this, I think, in the future. It's going to be more detailed and more transparent. Um, let's talk about YouTube again. 
what makes YouTube different and how to be, because you said, oh, that's a whole other yeah. you know, ball game. Uh, and I think that a lot of indie artists are taught this DIY mindset. Hey, you know, you've got the internet working for you, which you do. You can employ social media, um, you can employ email, you can build a website with Banzoogle or, or other similar, um, you know, platforms. So you can bring all this to bear for yourself and you're quite expert on the whole DIY thing as well. Uh, and very few people will do it all. Very few people will do it all persistently over a long period of time, which is what it takes to build up to something. You can't just say, hey, I've got a, you know, I, I tweet once a day and I put stuff on my Instagram twice a day and, and I've got a Facebook page and there you go. So YouTube has become a big part of this for, for a lot of people. Start out with uh, people in their t-shirts and jeans in their bedroom doing covers. Uh, and, and building up a following and then introducing their own material. So it sounds like they're not making any money. Um, it, it's really an audience building thing more than a bank account building thing. Obviously there are those influencers that are making tons of money and we see them. There's not as many of those as you would think and there's a big burnout rate. I think it's two or three years and then it's a new round of people mm. because it, this stuff is not easy. It's hard. It takes a lot of time to do any of those things that you're talking about. Especially if you're an influencer, it means that you're doing one or two videos a day, and that's hard. Yeah. So um, for, for most humans, what we want to do is just be persistent is a good word. But you need a strategy in order to do this because you can't be everywhere. You can, but you're not good mm -hmm. at it. So usually it's one or two platforms that you get really good at and uh, concentrate on those. YouTube is a good one. It's not one that I've concentrated on particularly. I've, in fits and starts I've done it, but not, not over a long period of time like other people. But I can tell you that uh, it's getting tougher. The YouTube algorithm is much more difficult. The SEO things that we did and worked immediately mm. two years ago don't necessarily work today. Uh, and you're talking search engine optimization yes. specifically for YouTube or in general? No, specifically specifically for YouTube. Uh, you still have to do those things, but they're not the instant um, success that they used to be. For instance, I mean, there's four or five things right off that you still have to do. One is a great title. Second thing is the description. The longer the description, the more likely your SEO is going to be. Your search engine rank, ranking within YouTube is going to be. Hmm. Why is that? Well, there's more in the description for the search engine to, to grab find. onto. Okay. And, but if you're smart, what you do is you load it up with all of the people that had anything to do with the video. You put all their names in there because there might be searches for them. The director, the producer, the uh, recording engineer, the recording producer, the, you know, on and on. Uh, is that Everybody in the band. keyword stuffing? And can you oversaturate and get to the point where the algorithm goes, aha. Like, for instance, for Taxi TV, if I were doing publishing, uh, performing rights organizations, I mean, think about this. I, I, I could make a list of 20 keywords that would be applicable to today's topic in this show. Um, 
but people tend to get carried away, as we all know. Even when they're um, tagging their own music, of course, yeah. they put in genres that are far and wide from what the genre actually is, hoping that people that are searching um, indie singer-songwriter will find them, even though they're doing Americana. Um, does YouTube track this stuff? Does the algorithm know when it's being, when the algorithm is being played? Yes, yes, it's a very smart algorithm. Don't forget, YouTube is owned by Google, so it's basically the same algorithm that's looking at it. Uh, the Google algorithm tracks 120 different things. I've talked to several people. I think Google, none of them will ever tell me anything. Of you get little bits and pieces, but you. Won't won't get a whole lot. And, and they don't know a whole, I've yeah. actually talked to a friend of mine who's fairly high up at Google and he said, look, even those of us who are like senior management really don't know all the moving parts Yeah. because then you could get hired away and take those moving parts yeah. elsewhere even though you've signed a non-disclosure. That's a whole other show. <laughs> but to your point, there is a certain um, relevancy factor. So for instance, if you stuff keywords that aren't relevant to whatever it is the video's about, uh, you'll get penalized. The and they know the topic because their algorithm is actually listening. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think across the board, that's always a good idea. Uh, keyword stuffing isn't, isn't the problem that it used to be. You don't get the penalty that you used to hmm. once upon a time. That being said, Relevancy is more important because if you put stuff in there that's not relevant, that will hurt you more than anything. Uh, for instance, um, if you name every genre of music and you put that every single one as a tag, well, obviously it can't be all of those. So, right. uh, if you if you put Justin Bieber's name in and Justin Bieber has nothing to do with your video, then you know, well, I could work. make Justin Bieber's not watching the show, so now I could put it yeah, Justin yeah. Bieber not watching the show. There you go. But you know, again, <laughs> those things—it's it, smart. It can figure those things out. So, but tags are important, and here's one thing. And you know this, especially in in your business. People forget about this on YouTube. It's really important. Uh, mood tags, right? People do searches for sad and happy and excited and whatever, and that's a tag you should always put in there. Yeah, absolutely. It, the bummer is most people can't look objectively at the piece of art they've created, whether it's a painting or a song, and be objective and say, this is depressing. Uh, they'll, they'll go, but you know, somebody who's depressed might hear the third line in the second verse and think that it's uplifting. Yeah, yeah. So they'll put in depressing and uplifting yeah, in their yeah. tags. We see that a lot. Yeah, I bet. I bet. How do you how do you well guide it, them on that? Um, we're actually now. You know what? I can't say. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to say because there's something that we've toyed with that we'll probably move forward with in a few months that uh, is relevant, but I just can't say. How many moods are there that are 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 worthwhile? Uh, well, I've got a list that I would say is probably 30 or 40 no moods long, but there are probably five or six that get used all the time because think about it, most scenes are about, um, it depends on the kind of film, obviously, but you know, they're, they're happy, they're mm -hmm. sad. Um, frustrated, I don't know if frustrated is a mood or a state of mind, yeah. um, but 
there aren't that many that, that are applicable to a lot of films because yeah. a lot of stories basically are very similar. They're just new characters are told in a different way or from a different perspective, but the, the core moods are typically the same. Here's a great example of um, reality shows. There are all kinds of reality shows out there, but so many of them need dramedy cues. So many of them need tension cues. Mm. Um, so they tend to use the same things over and over. So even though you can come up with a longer list. And those are the most successful then? Uh, yeah, the, the, the if, basics, let's say. Yeah, if I were, and people ask this question all the time, and I've answered it many times before, but if I personally were going to become a composer, um, I would probably do uh, singer-songwriter songs, EDM songs, and hip-hop songs, um, and, and more often than not, emotionally upbeat. Um, there's a, there are a lot more requests for emotionally upbeat, but people tend to create a lot of depressing stuff because they write songs when they're depressed. Mm, yeah. But think about TV commercials. Uh, there aren't too many that like, <laughs> don't buy this pair of shoes because yeah, yeah, they right. suck. You know, right. it's like I'm putting on these shoes. I feel like a million dollars. I'm going out with my posse of girlfriends tonight, and we're gonna live it up. Um, except, and, except when you go from depressed to happy. So yeah, but, that, you know, there might be that. You could, but that's also hard to do because then the editor has to take the part of the song that shows that transition from depressed to happy uh, and make it work with the scene, yeah. the timing of the scene. So they might actually use two songs. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay, so one thing I've learned is I've got a daughter who, who's a songwriter and she wrote a song that, uh, co-wrote a song that is on a YouTube channel of some young uh, influencers. And it's got four million, maybe four and a half or five million uh, plays at this point mm -hmm. in YouTube. So basically, she could buy dinner. If she's lucky. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's not nothing, but it's not something. The publishing coming from YouTube is really small. And you make more money if you're the performing artist, I've heard, than you would if you are the creator of the song. Somebody tell me okay, that. Okay, that I don't know for sure. Somebody told me that who was legit authority. And I've actually, uh, um, Aaron uh, Jacobson, the music attorney, confirmed that for me, that if you are the performer, you will make more money on a YouTube video than you will if you are a songwriter that's not a performer. I don't really Oh, understand. okay. No, that, that makes sense. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, let's see. Going back to the list... So why are the royalty payments so low? Um, oh, on YouTube? Just everywhere. Um, well, you have to understand that all this sounds terrible, but streaming networks aren't making money. So who's making the money? People in the middle. Okay. All the middlemen are, are making money. The labels? Labels. Okay. Publishers. Um, you can't say the platforms are because there's not one that's profitable. What I think is going to happen is Spotify, Deezer, all of those second. Spotify is a primary one, but a lot of the secondary streaming platforms, they're going to be gone in three years. And you're going to have the big three or four. You're going to have uh, Apple. You're going to have uh, Google. You're going to have Amazon. And there may be another one, probably Tencent. Mm -hmm. Tencent is the, the outlier. Yeah. yeah. 
they're huge and, and they also own 10% of Spotify. So the thought is they're someday going to buy the rest of it. Okay. They also just went public in the U.S. Uh, in the summer. So there's a lot going on there. A lot of, but you, you're going to see four, five at the end. It's Which not is not uncommon. Uh, yeah. You know, the big boy, they'll either um, buy or kill uh, the smaller ones. So at what point will those companies need to be profitable and will if I were Apple, why don't why doesn't Apple, you know, get rid of the middlemen by being its own publisher? Well, first of all, none of those companies have to be profitable because it's a drop in the bucket, yeah, right. to them. So that's why I think they're gonna be the last companies standing. Because it's not their primary their primary business. Um no, I'm sorry. But, well, I said if the middlemen is, are the ones making the money, yeah. then why don't Spotify, Apple, YouTube, why don't they go after, because they do like money, even though it may be a drop in the bucket compared to their overall business, why don't they have their own publishing companies, their own labels? Because then that puts them at odds with the current labels and publishers. That own the content that, that, that everybody own, wants. That own the catalogs, yeah. yeah. And that's why you won't see new companies getting into the business as well, because they can't afford licensing. Then why don't they just buy Sony Music? Why don't they buy Warner Brothers Records? You know, because we're talking billions. We're not talking millions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't I, be a problem for Google. Oh, or, for Google or somebody? Yeah. Uh, I guess they could. Spotify yeah. But, would but, have but the problem is then. Um, you know, Spotify's already, they're trying this. They have their, their toe in the water. They have their indie artist program. Basically, you could sign directly with Spotify. Okay. And Spotify kind of acts as your record label. Obviously, you can't be signed to anyone else for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of low-level artists right now that are up and coming. Uh that has not es escaped the attention of the major labels who are furious at this because already they see this usurping their territory. So I think we're going to see this come up in the next round of contract negotiations, licensing negotiations. This might be a, a fantastic tactic in order for them to say, okay, yeah, we'll let that go. Right. You know, just give us some more money. Or give us um, right because they could know. hold out uh, all, all the catalogs or all the great stuff you know the, the history of the music industry that lives within their catalogs. We'll do a deal with you, but you can't compete with us anymore yeah. on a label level That's or a right. publishing level. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. And there's a lot going on. When you really get into it, there's something new every day that happens in that part of the business. That's interesting, at least to me. That, you know, I just find this fascinating that there's a lot going on behind the scenes, there's a lot going on for public consumption that influences what's going on behind the scenes. And a lot of times you have to think, okay, is there some strategy involved in this? Yeah, well, you know, how does this affect those guys? I keep turning yeah. the cameras over. How does this affect them? Is there is there a strategy that works for independent artists or songwriters that um, puts uh, lets them do their best to monetize the work they create under these conditions. Well, I mean, you're still stuck with a, except in two cases, 
you're stuck with a digital aggregator with the TuneCore CD Baby Distro Kid, which... Let's talk yeah, about that. That's good. Let's finish that thought. And... Well, the, Spotify now has changed that. Spotify allows you to... Uh, they will distribute your song if you... or music if you upload it directly to Spotify. They'll actually send it out to all the other platforms as well. SoundCloud as well will do that too. So this is kind of a new thing. And it doesn't cost you any extra money. That's going to be painful for CD Baby and TuneCore and DistroKid, isn't it? One would think. Really painful for them. One would think. Interesting. So, okay, let, uh, I, I mentioned to Bobby that we've talked about this before on the show, and we see it literally now on a daily basis where somebody five years ago uh, made a CD or uh, went to TuneCore, whether it's CD Baby, which is, these are all fine. There's nothing wrong with these companies. They're not doing anything underhanded. They're not scam companies, but they offer extra services. Um, would you like us to help you monetize your music? And you are signing a publishing agreement with them to varying degrees. It could be um, some of the, the deals I believe are exclusive, some are non-exclusive. But in any case, you're checking boxes. Would you like us to publish you and collect money for you and monetize for you? Oh, that sounds great. That was easy. Check. And then three, four, five years later, you're submitting your music to production music libraries, vis-a-vis -vis taxi or on your own, however it's done. And let's say in the hypothetical realm that your song, I Love You, Mary, um, you checked that box five years ago and now it gets to a big production music library and it ends up in a feature film and bamo oh crap i forgot i checked that box five years ago so that library that i just signed the deal with which a uh, library meaning publisher for film and tv um they're they think they own the copyright on on, on that song but they don't because i assigned it to DistroKid or CD Baby or TuneCore five years ago. What the heck? Um, they're not doing anything evil. Maybe they should have a giant flashing red flag that says, if you sign this or check that box, you won't be able to license your music without us being involved in the money chain. But no publisher is going to want to pick you up if you're already published elsewhere. They can't. So how does this all shake out with... Um, if you do a deal directly with Spotify as opposed to going through an aggregator. That's a good question. The same thing would be true. You, yes, and the good news is Spotify is eliminating the middleman, so therefore you might make more money. The bad news is if you want to license your song for an episode of a big TV show for five grand, you can't. Well, now, you can't without including that. Now, all that said, I don't know what the terms are right. for Spotify. And it's a fairly new program. This is only two, three months. So I think it's a toe-in-the-water thing as well. See what will happen. One thing that makes me wonder is, well, Spotify is obviously going to favor Spotify. So does that mean that they're not going to distribute it to Apple Music for like two months or something? Right. Probably. Yeah. Or ever. Maybe for some artists. Maybe they'll want an exclusive if you're a really big artist. Um, because that draws people to the platform and keeps them there. Uh, two months is better than nothing at all, but permanent, you know, ad infinitum is 
pretty desirable. I mean, already it takes a while. If you were to submit your music to TuneCore or any of those, you find that your music won't get posted usually for a couple of weeks. Mm. And everybody thinks it's going to be like now. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Click. Yeah. Click. <laughs> I can see it now. Wow. This is, I mean, it would cause me, if I were a musician, to have analysis paralysis because, I mean, just the complexity of what we've talked about in half an hour today uh, is stifling. It's like, well, gee, why should I bother? I'm not going to get 50 million spins. Um, and the other way to make money is by building a big enough audience that you can get butts and chairs at your shows. But that takes a ridiculous amount of work. And basically, you have to have a radio hit or something that blows up virally on the Internet to even have a hope of doing that. Let's talk about radio for a second. Please. Someone did an analysis of what a songwriter makes from U.S. radio, from plays. Right. Okay. For a thousand spins on the radio, you make 0.2 cents. Okay. Point two cents for the same one thousand on Spotify. You make a dollar sixteen. Really? Yeah. How can you make a dollar sixteen for how many spins? A thousand. I don't understand. It's a thousand. It's a dollar sixteen. That's split between performance and and um, mechanical and mechanical. Yeah. Okay. Um, then you're not getting a mechanical from radio from radio right only if you're selling CDs or yeah. something physical but the average uh, on performance on radio comes out to about like I say 0.2 cents per thousand per thousand spins so you'd need 10 million to make a hundred thousand dollars I'm yeah. very soft math right there but but not here, a math major by the way but basically the way it goes is again don't forget you get paid on market share more than anything, right? From mm -hmm. from ASCAP BMI, when they do their um, um, right, their magical yeah, formula, <laughs> their magical formula. But it's the same on Spotify; it's all market share. The more you're played, the more you make. And uh, I shouldn't say the more you make, the higher your stream rate is. Okay, so you mean the. So if you're a little schlepper and you're getting, you know, 10,000 streams on Spotify, you're getting paid one rate. But if you graduate to a higher level, then you get a bigger number and so on. Yeah. Okay. Um, so am I right in thinking that if you want to make $100,000 a year that and your music is on Spotify, you need roughly $10 million? Yes, but here's the thing. Everybody just thinks about Spotify, but don't forget there's 32 odd streaming platforms, streaming music platforms. Hopefully you're making a little bit from everywhere. Right. And it adds up. It may be more from one platform than another. But usually what happens is whatever you're making from Spotify, you're making not that far away from it in Apple Music or vice versa. And then you're going to be making a little... Well, that's not exactly true. A lot, don't forget, we have varying rates from every, <laughs> put another variation here, every streaming platform pays slightly differently. So 
Apple Music pays more than Spotify. Napster, believe it or not, pays the most. Does anybody listen to anything on Napster anymore? They must, but they pay the most. They pay uh, over a cent to play. What does MySpace play? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <pay>? Right. <laughs> Somebody actually, didn't they just kill MySpace or they're about to? I think it's about to just like be off the map. But somebody actually sent me a link to their bio the other day on MySpace. I, I'd totally forgotten that they ever even existed. Um, oh, they lost all their music. Right. That's what, they lost the music files. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that's not the the worst. Um, uh, two years ago, Justin Timberlake made a, a big investment, and everything was going along. And one day, everybody woke up, went to their accounts, and they're all zeroed. They had zero followers, including Justin Timberlake. And it just goes to show you if you rely on, and that's because they had changed the site, you know, they had mm. so-called upgraded it. Right. <laughs> and this just goes to show you that if you depend on social media, you're going to get burned sooner or later. So you have to have the traditional uh, personal online presence outlets, mailing lists, especially, and, and a website. Really you know important. what? This brings us back to the entire do-it-yourself concept for musicians. Um, you have to become super well-informed and super capable in many of these things to really pull it off. I don't understand how somebody with a job and a life could find the time to do all this stuff because it's like starting... I didn't realize when I started Taxi how much I'd have to learn about marketing or how much I'd have to learn about sales. I had run other multi-million dollar companies, but they already had marketing and sales covered. All I had to do was be general manager of the big picture, hiring, firing, making sure departments were doing their thing, um, taking care of new you know, studio builds, uh, equipment upgrades, lease deals, all that sort of stuff. When I started Taxi, it didn't take long for me to go, holy crap, there's a lot more. Running a small business, which you are as a musician, yeah. requires you to be the chief cook and bottle washer and all those things. And if you're waiting for somebody else to heroically show up on your doorstep and go, no problem, I'll cover that for you, what's their incentive? Yeah, They don't really have one. People wait until you start to catch fire, then they come along and pour gasoline on because they see a fire. But if you're the person who's in charge of, of taking the flint uh, and making that first spark to cause the fire, prepare for a lot of work. Yeah, I think the one thing that people don't understand is it does cost money even on the free platforms. It, it, it doesn't, it, there is a cost, I should say, and the cost is your time. Mm -hmm. And we both know if you can go down that rabbit hole and well, you're telling me about what you're doing on, on email, for instance. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll do the same thing on, on certain things, on marketing. Yeah. Where all of a sudden you're you're down there and you're not creating or you're not doing what you prefer to be doing. Right. But it's a necessary evil. I, well, I think you and I share something, which is we enjoy those different aspects of business because that's our creative outlet. Yeah. Uh, there is part of me that's very envious of you that I would still like to sit down and make a record every now and yeah, then. Yeah. I do miss that. 
But there are also times where I come up with a great subject line that gets a great response, and that's my record that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, business can be fun. It doesn't have to all be so um, sucky. Um, So let's talk about the 44% raise in rates that's coming down the pike. Oh, okay. You can go ahead and hit your water. I'll take a sip with you. Okay. We're sipping. And by the way, today's episode is sponsored by Rockstar and Yes, Bria. I will hold up those signs. While we're on this little short break, Bria is pointing to the signs. There we are. (laughs) It's so weird working in reverse. Subscribe to the channel. It's right down there in that corner. Right there, right there. Click on that thing, okay? Click the little bell, the alert thing, so you get alerts. Give us a thumbs up or go hitchhiking. And share with your grandmother because she'd be really interested in this. <laughs> if you have a really smart grandma that really gives a damn about the music industry. Okay. Yes, 44% so, increase. How song, did that happen? Songwriters are supposed to get a 44% increase in publishing on streaming publishing royalties. There's actually a government agency or a government committee. It's part of the um, copyright royalty or uh, the copyright boards, it's CRB, Copyright Royalty Board, and they set the royalty rates. Not across the board, but in certain places. Which is confusing because... Yeah, it's terribly we ta- confusing. Yeah, right? we're talking about these different entities yeah. are all close, but they're paying different things. I, I yeah. would think it'd be mandated by the CRB, but okay. So after years, uh, they decided that songwriters should get a 44% raise. And as soon as they, uh, like the day after they announced that, every streaming company but one said they're going to challenge that decision. The one was Apple Music. So, hooray Apple. Yeah. Give Apple your business for that. (laughs) We still, now this is in the process, so we don't know how it's going to, to actually turn out. What I suspect is it's going to be less than the 44%. But songwriters will get a raise. Okay. Now, this is over five years. It's not like all of a sudden it's going to happen. This was supposed to be rolled out every year. There's going to be a little bit. So the good news is songwriters will make more. The bad news is we don't know when. I'll, it, it should. I think, no, I shouldn't say that. I think by August they have to figure this out. There's a drop-dead date of August. Of 2019. 2019, yeah. Okay. Um, it sounds like... It, it's if you start out at a minuscule rate and you're getting 44% more, you're going to get 44% more minuscule. Yeah. So yeah, it's better than a kick in the pants, but it's not like woohoo, we're finally going to make some serious money. Again, if you're thinking just one platform, it may not be much. If you think of a lot of platforms that you're getting money from, it could turn out to be something substantial. The other thing that I always like to say about this is. Ten years from now, you're always going to get paid. If somebody plays your stuff, you're going to get paid. A sale, they only buy it once. Mm-hmm. So you don't get paid after that unless radio airplay, but even then that's kind of tough too. And you know, there are other ways, uh, going back to YouTube for a moment, there are other ways to monetize YouTube that really don't have anything to do 
per se with YouTube. Um, I follow, if, if you guys don't watch them, their names are Kara and Nate. Just go on YouTube and search Kara and Nate. A young couple, he's like 30 and she's probably 28. They're from Nashville, they're not musicians. Um, and they decided that they were gonna visit 100 countries uh, in eczema, I think three years. And they're on country, I think they just did country 90. And when they started out, they were a little shaky. They weren't all that good, but they were still such a sweet young couple that you kind of had to like them. They're really good now. They're really good at shooting. They're really good at telling a story. They're really good at being travel hackers, getting really cheap flights, knowing which credit cards you sign up for that give you a lot of mileage for mm -hmm. signing up for the credit card. And down in the description part of the YouTube channel, you want to know what kind of camera they use? Well, here's a link to get it on Amazon. Oh, they, there you go. they get the affiliate thing. You want to get the same lens? Affiliate thing. So now um, they just rolled out a thing that I signed up for uh, yesterday on Sunday, which is an airfare fare watch thing called Fairdrop. So fairdrop.com, a little plug for Kara and Nate there. Um, and it's, I forget what it is, really cheap, like three bucks a month, I think. Um, and you can put in the country, your home destination, countries you are desirous to travel to, and they do much better filtering than the other free airfare watch sites do. Really? Yeah. Um, we'll find out. I'll let you know in about three months <laughs> if that promise is true, but I believe them. They're, they're, they seem to be people that live up to their word. Um, they've also started to monetize by putting together a Vespa tour of Italy because they did a little thing on Vespa scooters and they went, you know, we've got an audience. Uh, they've only got like 600,000 subscribers, which hmm. is small in, in the world of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. But they're loyal viewers and they're loyal subscribers. And they, they actually, this young couple posts their financials every quarter. Huh. And it's amazing. They they started out so broke that I remember one of their earliest videos, they were in like a little um, bazaar shopping or walking through the bazaar videotaping and the wife goes, look at this necklace. It was like $3. And the husband says, I'm sorry, it's not in the budget. You can't get it. And you could see the hurt in her eyes uh. and the hurt in his eyes for having to tell her they're now making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they show you where every penny of it is coming from and a lot of it is not necessarily coming from monetizing their YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah. It's all that other stuff. Yeah. It's doing the tour on the Vespas was their biggest money maker I think in the third quarter of 2018. Wow. Yeah, so they're monetizing their audience. Yeah. And I love that. So you know what? Don't only think of I'm a poor musician that's being beat up by all these big companies and all these big regulations, therefore I'm gonna never make any money. You know what, build an audience. Maybe it can only get 50,000 people. Uh, but of those 50,000 people, maybe 500 of them, 1%, become your hardcore people that will sponsor you doing house concerts as you tour the country. There's always a way to monetize an audience. Well, there's that whole, um a uh, thousand true fans yeah. theory, which the number varies depending on who you talk to, but uh, I think there's something to it where there's your core audience that you're gonna stay with you forever as long as you treat them right. Look at the people in the chat room. Those are my thousand fans. That's not a thousand. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But you know, these people show up, thank you very much, every week. Uh, even people that are in Europe, the, you know, it's like midnight or one in the yeah, morning yeah, in yeah. Australia. I mean, um, 
this is our little family. And you know what? They come to the road rally and they're taxi members and they learn a lot. Um, so there is something to be said for small and super well connected. I have to tell you, I don't think we've talked since the road rally. Okay. I thought that was fantastic. Thank you. I had the best time. I was super impressed. Uh, and I've been telling people since it, it's the best show that I know wow. going because Thank you. it's so pure. The camaraderie between the attendees is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. You did such a wonderful job. You do such a wonderful job on that. You know, people are always congratulating me. I congratulate them because, uh, look, I, I've said this a thousand times, probably literally. Um, I poured the foundation, I built the barn, and I opened the doors. So I had something to do with it. But it really is the kindness and the goodwill and the professionalism and the heart of the people that walk into that barn that have made the road rally what it is. I mean, obviously, I'm in charge of putting together great content every year. Maybe that keeps them coming back. But that's a lot of it is they keep coming back and they get closer and tighter knit and they end up collaborating with each other. I love it when people who've never made a penny with their music in their lifetime and they're standing in line waiting to register and get their badge at the road rally and they meet somebody else who's a veteran taxi member, who's a six-figure taxi member, and they hit it off. And now this person who's never made a penny with their music ends up co-writing something with somebody that makes 200 grand a year, and now that less experienced person gets elevated. And then when other members hear about, oh, you're collaborating with that person, wow, that's cool. I'd like to collaborate with you as well. And two or three years later, that person who was standing in the registration line is now making $62,000 a year hmm. because they were in the line at the Road Rally. That to me is everything. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that. Like you say, the camaraderie is fantastic. It, it, people are so nice. <laughs> and they're, they're from all over too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of expected a LA-centric crowd, but it wasn't that at all. No, and you don't see a lot of, the, a lot of people like the leather pants, I'm really cool crowd. Oh. It, it, it's, they're more like us, yeah. you know? They're people who are really serious about it, passionate about it. They're not posers. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Maybe I should make Road Rally t-shirts that have like the taxi logo on the front <laughs> and, and no posers on the back, you know, circle with a line through it. Um, so we're, one of the questions that, that I got from you before the show is, what does it take to have a view and a channel monetized? I mean, are, oh. are you talking about specific, you know, step one, step two yeah. stuff? Okay, yeah. lay it on us. You cannot go in to YouTube channel and say, I want to monetize it. You can't turn it on on a video unless you do a couple of things. You have to become a YouTube partner. This is fairly new, new meaning in the last few years. Um, in order to become a partner, you have to have at least a thousand subscribers to your channel. Okay. You have to have at least 4,000 hours of views in the last 12 months on your channel. That's a fairly low bar, but it's substantial enough that you need. It shows you're serious. Yeah. At that point, and you need an AdSense account. Now they call it AdWords now. You need an AdWords account. Because it has to link to your channel, and that's what feeds the ads to your videos. Okay. So you need those three things. But there are other things that you can do. 
you, for instance, uh, if you want to sell branded merchandise from your channel, you can do that. Or if you want to charge people to subscribe to your channel, you can do that. But the restrictions go a little bit higher. The limits go up higher. Uh, 30,000 subscribers you need. So these to are the... charge people. Yeah, in order okay. to charge people. So these are the things you have to do before you can actually turn all that stuff on. It's it's not that high of a bar, but it's high enough that you can't just start and you can't start your channel today and expect to do that tomorrow. Oh, look, I've, I've been doing taxi TV now for around 10 years. Is it that long? Yeah. Wow. And, you know, we're talking like 48 shows a year. Yeah. Uh, and we've got 12,000 subscribers. Uh, it, it, it's faster now. How long ago was it that we crossed the 10,000 line? Like four or five months ago? And now we're, I think we're at 12,000 and change, mm. I want to say, or approaching 12,000. So it's starting to pick up ahead of steam, but we've never done it for any of the reasons other than we just like our members and we love having this. It, the better we educate our members, the more successful they become. Sure. So that's why we do it. And, and the subscriber base has, has been icing on the cake. Um, so is there a difference between having a, a view and a channel monetize? Um, you could have several channels. You could have Bobby Osinski's, you know, well, you do have, uh, what's the channel where you talk about engineering I stuff? have multi, I have a, uh, 101 Mixing Tricks, 101 Mixing Tricks. And there's a BobbyOsinski.com, uh, or Bobby Osinski channel. And you have an inner circle. Uh, is that uh, its own? A podcast. That, that's not uh, its own YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, it, it's funny because I started to post some of the episodes on my channel, and they just didn't resonate. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it was that extra work in order to do it, which was like, okay, that's probably not worth it. Um, and the reason why is most views occur on videos that are three minutes or less. Pretty soon. YouTube is going to reward you and Facebook if you can keep people longer than three minutes. Yeah, YouTube already um, is rewarding you for over ten minutes. Yeah, that's a thing. It's hard. It's hard. Hard to get people to watch for that long. I Not think, when you do a ninety-minute show. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think our average is somewhere around eighteen to twenty minutes. That's still for, pretty good. Yeah. For view time, but um, yeah. 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 Uh, and you post on YouTube then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is going out live on YouTube and, and oh, YouTube it, live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be archived on YouTube. And you know, generally speaking, we get about 150 viewers of the live show because people are either at work or commuting home or whatever. Uh, but ultimately, this show, this episode we're doing right now, will get a thousand to two thousand over the next year or so. Mm -hmm. So not big numbers by any stretch of the imagination. But it's probably the same people. Uh, to some extent. I mean, there are always new people. Put it this way. At the road rally, the single most frequently heard comment is, I watch your show religiously, which surprised me because, we, again, we didn't do it to try and make it a thing. It just kind of happened organically like the road rally. And I had people come up to me and say, I saw you on Taxi on TV. Show. Yeah. I'm glad to make you famous, Bobby. Yeah. Thank you kindly, Michael. <laughs> He doesn't need any help. This guy is a marketing machine. Um, 
So let's talk so, about channels. Do we have any questions up here? Sure, we always have questions. You've been writing any down? Um, what time is it? Wow, I had no idea it was 5.20 already. Okay, let's, let's do some Q&A. Um, so if you've got questions, now's the time. Sirius pays $7 a spin. Wow, I don't think so. Maybe that's missing a point zero in yeah, front of the seven. Yeah, all right. Wow. That now Sirius just bought Pandora, by the way. So, and Sirius and Pandora are treated the same. Satellite radio and the other entity in that would be uh, cable television channel music channels. Mm. So they're all considered non-interactive streaming. How does blockchain play into all of this? It doesn't. <laughs> at least not yet. I mean, there are people that have tried to do blockchain scenarios for the music industry, but you know what? Trying to get somebody, the president of a record label, to understand blockchain. Yeah. I've probably spent 20, 30 hours reading about blockchain, have some smart friends who are very invested. I mean, like in the millions on Bitcoin and stuff. It's hard to wrap your head around all the things blockchain can be, but the best way to look at it in its simplest form is it's a distributed ledger for tracking anything. Rather than having one central place where, where it all is, it's distributed out to many places, so therefore it can never be wiped out or manipulated, even though now I hear people are jacking Bitcoin. See, my problem has always been that people have used that as their, as their marketing benefits. They would say, oh, it's blockchain, so yeah. I, I want to try to raise money. Right. Oh, it's blockchain, well, and it worked for a little while. Right. Now, to me, it would be better if they said, well, we use blockchain. By the way, we happen to use blockchain as a, the, the basic technology, because that's really what it is. Right. And I think we're starting to see that now, where blockchain isn't you know, quite the, the marketing... Um, Oh, it's a buzzword. The marketing buzzword, right? Yeah, and people were writing it into their pitches for yeah. venture capital money because it was a buzzword. Yeah. Uh, what about Netflix shows? That's a great question. Some of us have cues in those. A lot of you guys have cues in those. We run a lot of listings for Netflix shows now. Um, do you have any knowledge about how Netflix pays? No, I do not. I'm You know, but that's interesting. I'm going to go find out now. Okay. Well, that'll give me a reason to have you back soon. Um, let's see, other questions. Uh, well, at least you guys aren't talking about food. I recently had a guest that after the show said, I can't believe the people, they, they show up for this music thing and they're talking about food the whole time. Well, that's because they're eating while they're watching. So, Got anything? Yeah, okay. so should I not try to stream my songs for fear of getting signed to a publishing deal, which will limit me for use in taxi submissions? Um, just be aware, again, um, CD Baby, um, TuneCore, DistroKid, these are not fly-by-night scam companies, but they offer a, an additional level of service, which means you check a box and they collect publishing royalties for you in various um, scenarios. By doing so, you have signed a publishing deal. So many of Taxi's listings are from publishers, music libraries, looking to sign people so that they can actively pitch your music to their clients. They're not gonna do that if you've already signed your music to a publisher, which you do in those scenarios. You can use CD Baby, you can use um, TuneCore without going for that higher level of service. You don't have to check that box. Uh, 
So remember that. You can't sign a publishing deal with them and then have somebody else sign you to a publishing deal. It's, you can't be married to two wives, except one state. I see a number of questions about HBO and AMC and Prime Video and, and getting back to Netflix. And, and when I think about it, these are not music streaming channels, so none of that stuff that I talked about applies. Right, it's a different kind of performance royalty. Yeah, it's, a, it's completely different. Right? Yeah, it's music in the context of, of a show Yeah, versus a music channel. What's better, libraries or streaming platforms? Um, I mean, my own personal opinion based on what I know right now, which is not as much as I probably should know, is I don't know too many people that are making six-figure or multi-six-figure incomes from streaming on Spotify unless they're a hit act that has a large following. Yeah. Whereas we have taxi members that are, in fact, making six-figure incomes, but it took them five, six, seven, eight years to get there. But they were making, you know, 2000 a year, 5000 10000 20000 50000 a year. It's not like you go from zero on year one to making hundred and fifty grand on year six. There are incremental steps to get there, so there is that income. You have a question, Bria? Or somebody yeah. has one? Uh, whether I ask, how do I collect from all of these revenue streams if I have my own publishing company? That's a great question. How does somebody collect from all these different revenue streams if you have your own publishing company. As far as I'm aware, there isn't really an entity that's an all-in-one funnel for these things, although well, maybe that's part of what DistroKid and TuneCore and CD Baby are offering. Yes, they are, but there's also Audium who, um, they do that as well. How do you spell that? A-U-D-I-A-M. Okay. There, um, uh, Jeff Price, who actually oh. started TuneCore. TuneCore, yeah. yeah, that's his company. He specializes in in finding YouTube royalties. Okay, uh, and he also specializes in streaming mechanicals. And, and they're really good at it. Okay, they're really good. So I would recommend that. Kind. There, there are others, but. Uh, that's the one that comes to mind. Um, and, and actually, they have a lot of data. Uh, that's where I got a lot of my data from them. I am totally drawing a blank, and I apologize, Aaron. Uh, we had a gentleman named Aaron on the show about two years ago that has a company. I can't remember the name of .io, and I can't remember what goes in front of the .io, but they do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and they actually teach you all the things that you need to do to take advantage of the money that's out there by showing you, you know, like tagging your music, for instance. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's on the tip of my tongue, too, because the .io, yeah. I just saw this recently. Exploration. Okay. That's the company I'm thinking of. Yes, Explor yes, right, right, Exploration.io. Right. Yeah. Go check them out. But you know, Aaron is very smart, extremely well versed on this, very articulate. And frankly, after he left after doing the show, I went, I am the dumbest guy I've ever met because it's so much of it went over my head. It's, it's complex. Well, I hope the same thing doesn't happen today <laughs> when I I'm leave. Like, I went back and watched the show again. And, and I mean, you have simplified it, but you've also uncovered the fact that we already knew, which is it's unsettling as to how much stuff you have to know to understand this. It's deep. Yeah, it, most people haven't even really taken the time to grasp basic publishing 101 yet, and this is way beyond that. Yeah. But yet they would like to monetize their music, 
so they should need to know this but, stuff. But, Michael, I think the big thing here, the big takeaway, and this is the one thing I hope you all are, are, are getting on this, the scale of everything is different in digital music, where, once again, a million doesn't mean too much. Ten million is, you know, take notice, 50 million, minor hit, 100 million and above, hundreds of millions, you have a real hit. Wow. And a billion, you have a global hit. So you have to think in those terms. But that's why the scale is different, because everything can be global in an instant. Yeah. And if you're Justin Bieber, it is. Yeah. If you're Michael Lasko, no. Or, or Bobby Osinski. Right. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry. We're just working stiffs over here. Much as I want that to happen. <laughs> um, let's, I see you brought a couple of books. Let's give oh, a couple yeah. away. Uh, seriously, if you've never read Bobby's books, you should. And this one is called... This is the Music Business Advice book. And what does it cover? This is not my advice. This is the advice of my guests on the podcast. Okay. Which you were one. I, you might even be oh. here now that I think about it. I have to go go look. Anyway. Full-page uh, picture of me. <laughs> um, at the end of my podcast, I always ask one question. Same question. Uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever learned or someone imparted to you? And I got some fascinating answers. Some of them are in different silos, but uh, I have to say, again, this is not my advice. This is advice from way smarter people than I am. Music Business Advice Book. And it's advice on, on all aspects of the music business as well. It'll go publishing, it'll go uh, uh, how to... Um, just how to do your business, how to be professional. That's my advice, is acknowledging and embracing the fact that you have to be a business person to be in business. Yeah. And being an independent artist means you're in business. Yeah. Follow your passion. Oh, okay. Follow your passion, learn to network, playing well with others, educate yourself, own your content, getting paid, taking care of business, music gems of wisdom. Those are the... Uh, the categories in here. I may have to give away only one of these so I can read the other Oh, one. sure. No, I'm happy to give you one. No problem. Especially if you're in here. You, I don't remember. I, I don't think you reached out to me. You, you know, I would have reached out to you if you Yeah, and I think I, you I probably started this before you and I got to know each other. This is pretty recent. This um, is only last... You did this last weekend? <laughs> no. This guy no. cranked out so many books. It's... Not, I can't even imagine. Not as much as I used to, but uh, th this is from last year. All right, well, let's give yeah. one away. Uh, so for those of you who don't know the drill, here's what we do is you guys type in plus one, and then Bria, who's sitting across the table from us, shuts her eyes, goes up and down the list in the chat room, and she goes, mm, boom, and wherever her finger, thick, the fickle finger of fate lands, that person gets a book. And then, so let's start now. Type in plus one. Bria is warming up her hands as we speak, getting the fickle finger of fate ready. And while you guys are scrolling through, look wow, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Well, you guys want this book. 
Makes me feel good. <laughs> Candace Stewart. You know Candace? Yeah. Of course. Everybody knows Candace. Right. Richard Gibbs, composer, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Richard Bruce Music. Richard Bruce Music, you are the big winner of the Music Business Advice Book by Bobby Osinski. Commonly mispronounced Bobby Osinski. I was Googling you. I was looking for your number the other day. And I'm on my computer, I'm typing O-S instead of oh, O-W-S because yeah. I forgot you had the W in yeah, there. Yeah. Like Lascow. Everybody calls me Lascow. It's Lascow, but the W is silent. Um, well, congratulations. Who was it again? It was Richard Bruce Music. Congratulations, Richard Bruce. Uh, music is a very appropriate last name for you. Um, here's what you have to do is send an email to taxitv at taxi.com. Bria will get that email, send her your, your, your ground address, uh, and we will send you this book you'll have in about a week. Yay, congratulations. Um, can I give away one more and you'll send me one yeah, to yeah. read? Because yeah. I actually will read it. Sure. I've read every book on my bookshelf over there. Okay, we're going to do one more. One more time, you guys, uh, for the Music Business Advice Book from Bobby Osinski. Type in your plus ones now. While they're typing, um, you want to do the Road Rally again this year, November 7th through the 11th here in beautiful Los Angeles? Are you going to be in town? I think I'm out of the country, but I'll look. Really? But if, if I'm here, I'll certainly do it. I'd love to. Yeah. Even though Interpol's still looking for you? They're <laughs> letting you leave the country? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Vacation or going out of the country for business stuff? Well, it's always both. If I go someplace, I like to uh, take a vacation anywhere right. while I'm there. But uh, it's Barcelona. I, I you know... Yeah, nobody doesn't want to go to Barcelona. I've never been. I, I've never been either. My wife, um, oh no, my wife did a year abroad in college in Salamanca, I believe. She loves Spain. Uh, what's the date? November 7th through the 11th? No. I'm, You're gone? Yeah, I'm gone. Wow. Newsflash. Bobby O. will not be at this year's road rally. Oh, uh, it's too bad because I really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, thank you for all the high praise, but it ain't Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> um, Weather Eye. Weather Eye is the big winner on the next, on the second book. Congratulations, Weather Eye. Make sure that you send an email to taxitv at taxi.com. Taxitv at taxi.com, and we will send you a book. So, uh, I can't believe this is over. I seriously thought we were at like five minutes to five when I looked down and it said 25 after five. Um, man, thank you. Um, I, I'm envious that you are able to find the time to learn as much as you know about so many topics. I, I'm just jealous because I barely have enough time to run this company, let uh -huh. alone learn stuff outside of this. Well, thank you. And I hope I didn't confuse people even more. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, uh, I don't I'm, think you confused anybody. Yeah. I think you showed them the depth of stuff that they need to learn. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody could teach everything you need to know about this in 90 minutes. Um, and it's constantly changing. Yeah, it is. You know, That's so. the sad part because 
Next year at this time, it'll be different again. <laughs> well, hopefully it won't take us a year to have you come back and do this. Um, next week for the show, we're going to be listening to music, probably one of the more recent listings we ran, and we'll play you um, forwards and returns because we haven't played that game in a long time. With that, I want to say thank you, Bobby. Thanks, Michael. What's your website? BobbyOsinski.com. And that's spelled O-W-S-I-N-S-K-I, BobbyOsinski.com. Uh, and what's your podcast? The Inner Circle Podcast, BobbyOInnerCircle.com. There you go. All one word. See you guys next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. <laughs> David Letterman called. He's starting his show again. He wants me to do that thing. <laughs> <laughs>